0: This is one of the most significant chapters of Scripture. Chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly there was a light from heaven that flashed all around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus called Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to his place, come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. For the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry out the name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you shall see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, it's an extraordinary story. It's one that should fill us with hope. That this is the great persecutor of the earlier church. And he becomes the great witness for the early church. In fact, we see the evidence of his extraordinary transformation in the passages that Chris spoke on. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This idea that the great persecutor of the church has now become the great witness, the great testimony to the power and the transformation that comes from Jesus Damascus is a fascinating city. It sits on the uh, edge of the Arabian desert. It's uh, like an oasis city. So for travellers to come into Damascus, uh, it was a chance to rejuvenate and refresh before a long journey ahead of them. You know, Uh, even today, Damascus is a significant city in Syria. It's the capital. You have this place of extraordinary um, rejuvenation where Saul is going to bring persecution against the followers of the way, breathing out murderous threats. This is a person on a mission to bring the followers of the way to extinction. But Jesus intercedes and said, you're going to be my witness. And suddenly the man who is about to bring about persecution does a complete 180, becomes the man who testifies to the goodness and the glory of God. It's fascinating to know that you can still go to Straight Street. It still exists today. You can walk down Straight Street. You can see, well, I mean, you can't see Judas's house, it's not there anymore, but You can walk the road that Ananias would have walked to go and meet Saul to pray over him so that he might receive sight and become the new witness to the glory of God. It is a story that is firmly cemented in history and becomes the springboard for much of the New Testament. You can go to... Corinthians chapter 2 and see all the things that Paul endures for the sake of preaching the gospel. It's a fascinating passage where the power of God that speaks to the transformation that happens in a person's life when they encounter Jesus is on full display. Ananias is scared. This is the man who has checked in with the high priest to come into town to lock up people and put them in jail. And if they are disobedient, he will put them to death. And he becomes the great witness to Jesus. Verse 20, at once, by the way, he doesn't, Begin to preach at once. We'll get to that in a second. Galatians 1, 15 to 17 reminds us that he does go to Arabia for a season. But the point here is that at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. He has gone to Damascus to capture the followers of the way and instead chooses to go into those synagogues that, by the way, he got the letter from the high priest to do it, to declare that Jesus is the Son of God. It's an extraordinary moment on the transformation of Jesus in a person's life. And that's what we're about, isn't it? The transformation of Jesus in one's life is the reason that we have to start with the death and resurrection of Jesus to get to what should we do now? What Chris was talking about before. The followers of the way are built on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. So how is this church? Do we get there? Because Paul goes on this extraordinary journey, a miraculous conversion that leads him to be the follower of the way. Now, we are not all going to have the luxury of being on the road to Damascus and have Jesus interject directly through a vision and perform a ma- miraculous conversion, right? Some of us were born into the faith. We don't have a miraculous journey story, right? Some of us were led to Christ in year nine. Some of us came to Christ later on in life. But maybe it was a journey and it was a wrestle, right? We've all got different stories, but we can all speak to the transformation of God present in our lives, right? So I want to work through this. I was going to pull some chairs forward, but that feels complex. So I'm going to do this, which is even more complex. Let's start with where Paul is. Paul is a potential contact. He is someone who is aware of the church, very aware of the church. Doesn't like the church, but he is very, very aware that there are followers of the way who are being a disruption to the church. Jesus sees that as a potential contact. Now, we know how that plays out. Go, this man is going to be my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and before their kings and before the people of Israel, right? So we know that Jesus has a plan for this person. So what happens? Well, comes into touch with Jesus, right? Is that we know that through a miraculous vision on the road to Damascus, Paul comes into a relationship with Jesus, Then he's got to figure out how to belong. Now, depending on how you figure this out, Paul spends a little time in Arabia getting his stuff together, spends a little time learning from those in Damascus as he starts to preach, then fully embraces the gospel, follows Jesus, starts serving in ministry, And then becomes a leader of ministries, right? I didn't come up with this, by the way. This is not me. But this is our journey, okay? Transfer growth is where someone who was at a previous church comes and joins our church, okay? That is a person who is following Jesus and is now going to get involved in serving ministry and leading ministry, okay? Now, the best way that we do transfer ministry growth is by having a really great website, a really great podcast, a whole bunch of digital assets, and we make it really accessible for someone to listen to us before they step in the building. Why? Because research shows that 87% of people won't come to church until they have made a decision that they like your church, okay? I've got examples of that in the evening service. We've got people who just walked in. I've been listening to you online. I love it. I'm coming here. That's, that's great. Happens right at the start of the year, okay? Five, six, seven is transfer growth. People who are like, I love Jesus. I love this place. I've been listening online. I'm going to come along. I'm not talking about that today. The question is, is how do we move someone from a potential contact to in touch, to belonging, to embracing the gospel. One, two, three, and four. Okay? Can I have a show of hands if you have a friend who is not a Christian? Keep your hand up if you have multiple friends who are not Christians. Awesome. Okay, pop your hands down. Now, it's really important to say this, that a friend, I'm going to define friend, okay? A friend is someone that you have had over for a meal. They have been invited into your personal sanctuary. You have been to their house for a meal. You know their wives' names, you know their children's names, and you know fun facts about them that exist beyond... Small talk. You have spent some time personally praying for that individual. That's a friend, okay? You have served or helped them out in a moment of crisis, okay? I was over at a neighbor's house earlier this week, squeegeeing gross water out of his granny flat. Right? In a moment of crisis, go over, you help a friend. Okay? Doesn't love Jesus, though. Doesn't want to come to church. That is a potential contact. Why do we set the bar that low? Because Saul is the base of the bar. <laughs> Saul is as low as you can put a bar. No, seriously. You, we're talking about a, a, a passionate persecutor of the church who has put people to death. It's a potential contact. Okay? Low bar. Thank you, Saul. The next phase, we've got to get him in touch. But here, yeah, I'm surrounded by some other Christians. Someone like Ananias. Nice. But I don't want to do it, Lord. I've heard all about him. He's not a good cat. He's coming here to kill Christians, persecute him, put him in prison. I don't want to spend any time with him. Right? Boss, (laughs) he's he's had a vision of a guy named Ananias who's going to come to his house and pray over him. Who gave him that vision, Lord? (laughs) It was me. (laughs) Also, you're called Ananias, so you're the guy. Okay? So suddenly... Now, our potential contact is in contact with other Christians. He's now in touch. There's a relationship forming here. Belonging is more challenging, right? Belonging is where you start to warm up to the notion that... Christians aren 't necessarily a bunch of hypercritical two faced jerks just stereotyping us for a moment, but we've, we're we 're actually fun that our community feels richer and deeper than what i 'm used to that that weirdness is actually a goodness that speaks to the glory of God right like this is this is this the difference between someone who's in far orbit and someone who starts to circle in close orbit. Oh, I like it. I don't mind coming to these Christian gatherings. It's a bit of fun. I am open to the notion of you talking about God. Right? That's a person who's starting to feel like they belong. Okay? Okay. Next phase is when someone goes, hmm, I think that Jesus is the Son of God. I seriously think that. I think that is a profound realisation, one that Saul had on the road to Damascus. The person speaking to him in the vision was the Son of God. So much so, I'm going to turn around and talk about it in synagogues. It's a big call, Saul. Following Jesus is a person who is now on that journey of discipleship, right? Now, a follower of the way, which is one of the things that Saul does. Now, here's the thing, is that our miraculous transformation that happens means that he goes from here to here real quick. He comes out of straight street at five. He's in Damascus, gets blind, one, goes to five. Awesome. And then, depending on Galatians and his time in Arabia, he starts serving in ministry and then leading ministry fairly rapidly. Okay? Goes one to seven real quick. It's awesome. Where's the front door to the church? I know it's there, but one to seven. Okay, where does this take place at a church? Who's, who's at step one? No Okay. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Okay, good. Here we go. This is where you want a lapel mic. Sorry. Let me just do this for a second. Spider-Man. was a goalkeeper. It's all good. Okay. So this is our church. Our church sits here. Okay? This is really important. At what place does Saul come into an encounter with Jesus? On a road to Damascus. He's nowhere near the flippin' church. Okay? Controversial statement. Bringing somebody to a Sunday service is not an effective evangelism strategy. It works some of the time, I'll give you that. Like it's not ineffective, but it's not the most effective evangelism strategy. Saul immediately goes to potential contacts in synagogues to share the good news of Jesus. He's not in a church yet. Now, home churches are forming. We're talking about the genesis of the church. But the reality is, is that much of this conversation happens before a person encounters the front doors to a church, okay? And it's one of the challenges that we have as a church is I don't expect you to bring non-Christians into this place. There's a lot of weirdness in here. Like, if you don't understand the rules of church, it's weird. We stand up, we sing three songs at a screen for no particular reason. Like, no one announces it. Suddenly, Dan just, da, da, voice of an angel. And we're like, yeah, Dan. It's like, it's Sunday morning. Then after that, Cook gets up and talks about eating body and drinking blood. Cool, not a problem. Let me grab my my blood juice. You know? And then I get up and do some kind of message. Someone else gives a message and then suddenly there's coffee and tea afterwards. It's like, what just happened? No explanation. It's weird. People have become frightened of this institution Because it has for a long time got a fairly bad rap, hasn't it? I mean, if we look at liberal news and media, Christian church is not portrayed particularly well. And so we are called to go out into the world and share the love of Jesus, which means that a lot of this strategy happens outside of this. One of the things we work towards doing within the church is building really good and strong infrastructure for people who love Jesus, want to get involved in the church and eventually become a leader, right? So we have what we will have here, like a leadership team and small group leaders. Hands up. Who's a connect group leader, right? We've got connect group leaders and Bible study leaders in here, right? These are people who are leading ministries. We've got people in charge of worship ministry. We've got children's pastors. We've got youth pastors, right? These are people with leaders as well. They're leading ministries, right? They're, They're like seven lock them in um we have within here the idea of we've got connect groups on a monday connect groups on a tuesday connect groups on a wednesday connect groups on a thursday we've got youth group on a friday um these are areas now where we are sharing the love of jesus learning growing and discipleship and that happens week in week out we do two services on a sunday that is Serving and leading ministries for people who are following Jesus, right? Does that make sense? Okay. So the question is, where does an alpha course reach a person? Somewhere here. Okay? So you bring in like getting to know Jesus courses, alpha courses, and they are designed for a person to have an opportunity to embrace the gospel and move into following Jesus. But it doesn't necessarily have to happen as, at, at a church, right? What about uh, pantry? Where do we put pantry on the wall? Serving? So, it was ser- so serving in ministry. So leaders of the pantry serve in ministry, but I'll, I'll let you in on a secret. Not all of them go to our church, okay? Now, it's a ministry of our church, But what we're hoping is that we take people from in touch to belonging within a pantry, right? The notion here is that we are trying to reach our community. And that could exist for the most part outside of the walls of the church. Okay? Is that what we're trying to do is take a person from a potential contact to putting them in touch. So like men's groups, right? Uh, Ladies who meet at Thai food restaurant and have drinks and food together, we're over here. We're taking a person from a potential t- uh, contact to in touch to belonging, right? That's what's happening. Men's, men's ministry, uh, men's event where we you know, go up to Terry Hills Tavern or something like that. That's in touch belonging, right? And we try and do those like once a month. Comedy night sits here. Why are we doing a comedy night once a month? We're not doing it once in a while. The next one's going to be an art class thing in here with Neo. Um, I was meant to have you share. We'll do it next week. We'll do it. Sorry. Um, But, like, the art class we're going to do in here with Neo, um, which will have a theme, is to say to our community, why don't you come along and do some art? Okay? We want to move you from being a potential contact to in in touch. Now, I hope as as a result of this, you start coming to the women's events, which are going to be, you know, more regular. And as a result of that, you go from being in touch to belonging. We don't do those every day of the week. We don't do those weekly. They're kind of a monthly thing. But the idea is to move a person along on the journey, right? And so what you're hoping is if you say, (laughs) this is like... Church science. There's like a beat, right? 31 beats in a month. Okay? 31 times out of 31, we're preaching Jesus. Okay? That's, what, that's our goal. It's the lifeblood of our church. Once a month, we hit up a social event. For the purpose of hitting up a social event. (laughs) Because as Christians, we can socialize, can't we? Right? We can go out. We can have a good time. I like having a good time. By the way, the subtext of that is not getting blind drunk and sleeping with women. The subtext of that is having a good time. I want to go out with friends and have a good time. Our effort is to move a person along. Okay? My neighbor is a potential contact who I am now regularly in touch with, who is a friend. My hope is, is that our church becomes a place where they can belong, then embrace the gospel, and then, for the first time, come along on a Sunday because they're ready to follow Jesus. It's an extraordinary story when you can see the power of Jesus at a work in a person's life in an instant, right? And we see it with with Saul is that an encounter with Jesus leaves a person profoundly changed. When do I share the love of Jesus? Is it here? No. I'm sharing the love of Jesus here. Everyone who is a potential contact is very aware that I am Pastor Duncan and I love Jesus and I like to share Jesus with them. Those who are in touch with me know that even more and often say to their friends who come over to hang out with us, this guy is probably going to talk about Jesus at some stage. Prepare yourself. Right? But the pizza, this is just to buddy you guys up because we've had two attempts at this, the pizza is so darn good and the sauce is so well-crafted and the cheese blend is so secret, they keep coming back for more. And so I talk to them more about Jesus. And I talk to them more about Jesus. And suddenly that awkward conversation becomes an easier conversation. And that easier conversation leads to them starting to embrace the gospel. And as a result of that, there is a life change. Is that me? No. No. When is Jesus at work in their lives? Here. Minus 16. You think Jesus didn't have a strategy for Saul? (laughs) You think Jesus' strategy wasn't, yeah, let's take the great persecutor and make him the great witness to the glory of God. Is that going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons with the disciples? Sure is. Is it going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons with the earliest followers of the way who saw him at the stoning of Stephen? Absolutely. It's a radical transformation that leads to the book of Philippians, that leads to the book of Galatians. There's so many other great books in scripture. Speaking to the glory of God from a man who was the great persecutor and is now the great witness. And so, can we figure out transfer growth? Sure. Just make this place smell churchy enough and you'll start to pick up Christians. It's easy, right? That's what every church is. But the stuff I get excited about sits here. And I'm not saying that I'm not excited about the other stuff. You can be excited about both. But this is the stuff where you see real crazy life change. I'm going to wrap up. I had a, um, a buddy in the States who was an ex-gang uh, member uh, for a Mexican drug cartel in Los Angeles, right? And he he relocated to the area we were in, in Arizona. Um, Still had all the tattoos, like, just... And the low rider, which was a lot of fun to ride in. Um, Rocked up with his family. And one of the reasons he couldn't go back to L.A., because if he went back to L.A., they'd just kill him and his family, right? He's, out of the gang, you are dead to us, right? Profound encounter with Jesus. Complete life change. And this guy... Looks like he's killed a man, right? I don't know if he has. You don't really lead with that question. (laughs) Um, Completely different human, right? Soft, gentle, tender with his children, loves Jesus, right? But still carries all the signs of who he was in the former life. And um, I remember this one time, um, my family came over to visit and they're like, do you have any problems with Mexicans? Because we're right on the border. And I was like, a little bit racist, but sure. Um, No, it's been pretty good. So I text him. I say, I need you to drive by my house at the lowrider with your white singlet on and yell at me when I come out the front. I'll be with my mum. Play it up. He loves this stuff. So he can... I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Mum. You're going to have to see this. And so I walk out the front. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And we have this pretend fight. And my mom's like, oh, my son's going to get killed. Like, don't. And I'm like, you know. And so I start chastising him. I'm like, what are you doing? You get off my property. And how dare you play that music really loud? I'm not having trouble with Mexicans in my neighbourhood, right? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And so he's like very apologetic and drives off. And my mum's like, I thought you said that there was no problem with Mexicans in the neighbourhood. And I'm like, well, I took care of it, didn't I? Go back inside. About ten minutes later, he rings the doorbell and I just invite him in for a coffee and my mum is like... I'm like, oh, this is the guy. And I said, by the way, there's no problem with anyone in our community. We're all children of God and we've all been redeemed. Um, But you could see the moment you started talking to this individual... The presence of Jesus upon him. The Holy Spirit at work in his life, right? From the outside, he looked like a thug. But all it took was one sentence from him and you knew he was changed on the inside. It's the same encounter that these people are having with Saul, right? This great thug, persecutor from the Jewish sect, the moment they encounter him, all of them at the synagogue go, this guy's different. This guy is changed. I live, I live for the moment that happens somewhere here where a person goes, I love this. I promised Andrea I was going to wrap up at 11.30. I'm sorry I didn't. No, I know. I promised. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. Forgive me, Lord. I live for that moment. It's so good when you see it happen. You want to see it again again and again and again and again and again. I want that for this community. Right? I don't want to. I mean... Transfer growth is nice, you know. Like it's fun. It's fun picking up new Christians who know what the game is about. But oh man, how much more fun is it when guys who don't know the rules <laughs> are sitting in the community trying to figure it out, right? And we just got to be gracious and loving and compassionate. It's one of the things I love when I read through actually early church is like a mess. They, just, they ain't got any of it figured out but they're gracious, they're humble, they're compassionate because we want you to embrace and follow and serve and lead and we're willing to go with you on the journey. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are good. You are good all the time. And Lord, through seasons of doubt and uncertainty, we know that you are present, that you are active, that you are impacting people's lives. Put us into contact with those people, Lord. That we might be present as your witnesses, bearing good news to the testimony of who who you are, so that they might be transformed forever. Let us be encouraging, compassionate, humble, gentle, loving. Lord, that we might be servant-minded in everything that we do. Amen.